Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 17 of Two Developers Down Under. As per usual, I am joined by my partner in crime, the vehemently vivacious Kai Koenig. How are you doing today, Kai? I'm doing fine, Mark. I need to look up what that actually means, even. <laughs> I have no idea. I just go for a nice sense of alliteration, see if I can get something that flows nicely. Okay, can you send me an email with, like, the the words you used written down that I can actually look it up in a dictionary? Sure, sure. I've got it on a piece of paper. I, I look down so I can get it. Okay. Awesome. So, <laughs> so what wonderful things have we found that happened today on, where are we, the 20th of December 2011? I've got two things, actually. Yeah. Um, in 2007, Elizabeth II became the oldest ever monarch of the UK, basically surpassing Queen Victoria. And I have another one, and that was in 1996. Next, merged with Apple Computer, and basically starting oh. the whole macOS 10 story from that. Very cool. The only one I found, I think, that was particularly interesting were electric lights were installed in Broadway, uh, on Broadway in, in 1880. It's the 131st anniversary. Oh, that is interesting, actually. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, Oh, and the dating game. Premieres in 1965. The dating game. I think it's one of those games where people sit on like opposite sides of a wall and they ask each other oh, questions. Ah, yeah, I know. It had a different name in Germany actually, but I know I know the show. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have a version here that's completely different as well here in Australia. But interestingly enough, we have a wonderful, wonderful guest with us today. I'm really excited to uh, to have you on, and I'm I apologize in advance. I'm going to completely butcher your name, Kirill Sofanov. Is that, is that, yep. Did I get that vaguely correct? Yeah, that was great. Great. So, so Kirill, um, as far as you know, for, for people who don't know you, I mean, we know that you're responsible for the Cold Fusion plugin for IntelliJ. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background and, and stuff like that? Yeah. Hi guys. Uh, I'm Kirill from JetBrains, uh, calling from Saint Petersburg, Russia, and I'm one of the core developers for IntelliJ IDEA. An ID that supports Java and many, many other languages. I contribute mostly to Flex support and to the platform. Things like FTP or TFS support for IntelliJ. And something here, something there, you know. And also I kind of supervise and watch on the progress of Cold Fusion support communicating with these two nice guys and other members of uh, Google Group and the community around ColdFusion support on IntelliJ and having fun. Cool. That, that's actually... I'm, I'm really, really happy that we have you on, on the show because, um, coincidentally, Mark and I got sort of a little bit involved with the CFML plugin for IntelliJ just recently in the last few weeks and months, basically. So it was sort of a real cool opportunity to get you um, get you on our podcast to have a bit of a chat about the, the whole idea and why JetBrains is even doing that. Um, what I'd be interested in, you said like you are the you know you're looking after the Flex support for IntelliJ and a few other plugins, and also supervise the the person who's doing the coding for the CFML plugin. Um, yeah. Is it is it sort of common that you have like different or lots of different hats on at JetBrains and do like lots of different things when it comes to to the IntelliJ platform? Uh, I would say yes. Uh, a lot of members uh, of the team basically share uh, different parts and take care on different parts of IntelliJ. IntelliJ is basically a platform plus like. Uh, Seven, uh, several dozens of plugins, and everyone has several areas to to work on or to supervise. For instance, so we uh, we don't sit, you know, in the, in the one corner all the day. We can switch between between different areas. Yeah. So that's why we have we have interesting things to do. If if something gets boring in in one part, you can basically switch to another one, and this is how we work. Okay. And there is there is also a lot of work uh, with the feedback, with the users' feedback, with bug reports, with answering the questions. 
so we basically never get bored at all. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, do you want to maybe tell our listeners a little bit about JetBrains and the IntelliJ plugin or the IntelliJ platform as such before we start you know, talking about the CFML side of things? Because I, have, I, I think a lot of people who are, you know, doing, doing solely Cold Fusion or other web platforms do not necessarily know IntelliJ because it comes from a Java background at the end of the day, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, 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 right, right. Originally, IntelliJ is a well-known Java ID uh, based on, implemented in Java. Uh, it has a platform and a couple of plugins, the same way as Eclipse or NetBeans. So uh, one can switch on or switch off the plugins uh, he doesn't need. Uh, and so we also have several other products based on CLJ platform. For instance, we have PHP Storm. This is an ID for PHP developers and web developers. Or we have AppCode recently released version one. This is an ID for those who program in uh, Objective-C for iOS, mm -hmm. for Apple. Uh, it's basically, uh, it has the same, the same platform. So everyone uh, who is familiar with say IDEA have the same looks, the same hotkeys, the same behavior with AppCode or PHP Storm and other, oh, other cool. products. So the the other IDEs do they offer you know a a more customized feeling for example for PHP developers only or would they also add additional features that IntelliJ as a core product doesn't have um, usually IntelliJ is the superset of all the features so uh, if you have IntelliJ you have everything it's like a Swiss knife okay um, From, from in some in some places in some cases uh, products like PHP Storm have kind of simplified user interface, and this is also one of the topics uh, for Flex support. Uh, we are currently working on kind of simplified user interface and more Flex oriented user interface for those who uh, don't have Java projects. For those who work on Flex stuff, so the answer is yes and no. The same the same the same time. Okay. That's that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, recently I sort of came back to IntelliJ. I'd, I'd looked at it. I'd have to actually look it up. It was a while ago. I had a, I had a look at it and had some trouble with it. It wasn't. I was like, it's cool. Um, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm primarily a, a Linux uh, user. I mean, I've been running Ubuntu for the last few years, and um, basically, I mean, IntelliJ is one of the few. IDEs out there for Cold Fusion that'll run natively on on Linux. So I was like, all right, let's let's give this have a look. So I'd had a look at it, um, had some issues, thought it wasn't quite fully baked yet. Then came back to it, you know, recently and went, oh, yeah, this is this is really good. I really really enjoyed using it. Um, but I'm actually quite Thank curious you. to know. Yeah, no, I really, really, I really am really, really enjoying it. Um, how did the like how did the the plugin for Cold CFML get started? Do you know? I mean. I mean, what, what made you guys decide, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll sort of start writing something for Cold Fusion or, or what, how, how did that all come about? Uh, all, the, all the time we're looking around, uh, watching, reading blogs, watch, uh, listening to podcasts, podcasts and uh, going to conferences, talking to people and trying to figure out what is, what is interesting for people, uh, what is used by people. And we also had some requests in our bug tracker Like, hey guys, why wouldn't you implement CFML support? So, this it 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 has it has started the same way as we start many other technologies. It was popular enough at the moment uh, we started, and uh, to start a new plugin, in particular the plugin that supports source code. It's not very much to invest because uh, in CLG platform uh, it contains not only like Windows and Actions and version control, it also contains a framework to support different languages. So if you're about to support, say, new, new language in IntelliJ, it's not so so hard to start. You don't have to implement everything from scratch. For instance, uh, we have. Uh, framework 
for lexing the, the the source file for parsing it for building up some API uh, you yep. can work with to modify your code so it was it was not a great investment to start the plugin so really sort of once you've built sort of a lexer and a parser so you can you can sort of parse the language and break it down a lot of the yeah. tools that come with IntelliJ just kind of come come out of the box. Yeah. That's really that's that's really good. So yeah, so okay, basically you kind of went, all right, let's let's give this a shot and see if the the, the proverbial spaghetti sticks to the wall. And yeah, so far it's been sticking a little bit at least. Do do you guys know how many Cold Fusion users you have using IntelliJ at the moment? Vaguely, I mean, you don't have to give it away if you can't say, but I just thought I'd ask the question. Uh, we don't have exact numbers. Uh, we uh, started collecting the statistics starting from version 10.5, it was uh, about a year ago. And the, the numbers are about up to 1,000 or something, I would say. Wow. That's so actually it's, much it's, more than I thought. Wow. I, yeah, that's, that's more than I, I really thought too. That's really interesting. Um, as, a, as an interesting aside, Kai, how did you end up coming to use IntelliJ? Like... I know I've been looking at it for a long time and, and kind of just kept sticking oh my, my head and just like, what I was doing. You know that, that it was your fault, basically. <laughs> it wasn't my fault, was it? No, no I mean, it, it was... I, I had an IntelliJ license of from version you know version 7, and I was using it actually for Java development back then um, and enjoyed it quite a lot for Java development. And when I think the first versions of the CFML plugin came around, I had a look at it and it didn't really convince me at the time because I had pretty much committed myself to, you know, have a, an IDE based on the Eclipse platform yeah. for Confusion and for Subversion and for Flex and all that other stuff, basically. And that's, you know, that at the time that was sort of um, what I was going with. And um, then recently, I think it was, wasn't it at CF Objective, Mark, in, in Melbourne? Um, I realized that Mark started coding in IntelliJ for his CFML stuff and you were sending tweets and messages like, oh, I'm using it for a week now and have a look how I go, blah, blah, blah. And that sort of inspired and motivated me to give it another, another, have a peak. another peak basically. And I have to say, I like it quite a lot. You know, it yeah, basically convinced, it convinced, it convinced me enough to, um, you know, grab the early access version of IntelliJ 11 and just play with it for a while. And basically, I ended up buying a license of 11 because it has sort of become the tool I use for Confusion in Java at the moment. Yeah, I started, um, Kirill, you probably don't know, but um, we, we run a small Confusion conference here in Melbourne that ran about a month ago. And um, yeah, mm -hmm. just while I was there, I sort of sat and started, was one of the things I wanted to do while I was sitting there, started playing with writing some code uh, IntelliJ and just went, oh, this is really good. And then the more I play with it, the more I liked it and the more... I did stuff with it, the more I kind of kept going. and Yeah, it was pretty cool. So I was pretty pretty happy about that. <clears throat> now, I'm, I'm kind of curious, actually, because Cold Fusion is a, like, syntactically, I, I would say it's a pretty hairy language. It's got a lot of, like, odds and ends that kind of, it does something one way and then it does stuff another way in another place. How are you guys finding parsing that? Has that a, been a bit of a challenge just to get it, to get it sort of right all the way through or to pick up all those different odds and ends that kind of come through? The the most challenging part is that uh, in Cold Fusion files, uh, you have actually uh, internally, you ha we have uh, three uh, syntax trees. The first tree is Cold Fusion, the second one is HTML, and the third one is uh, safe query parts, so it's SQL parts. Oh, yeah. And uh, all these recent problems with uh, formatting that you you guys reported actually relate to uh, how we uh, how we handle these three uh, syntax trees in the same okay. time in the same file. Ah, okay. So it is no, I just, it is reasonably complicated then from what I what I can get right because when you think about people writing Java code, you probably don't have to do with those complexities that that much would you no 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 all the templating languages like jsp files or cold fusion files are a bit more complicated than plain java files okay yeah that makes sense i guess 
yeah, that would that would make sense. I would have thought almost things like JSP or um, in Velocity templates or any of the any of the other JVM languages. I don't know, or even PHP. You probably, I would have thought it'd almost be easier because you generally have those those start and end markers, so you know when when things are going to get slightly different to plain old HTML. Whereas with Cold Fusion, they're all just tags. So that probably makes things a bit interesting as well. It, it's even trickier yeah. with Cold Fusion when you think about it, right? You have like CF script blocks within CFML, which I could yep. think of being quite annoying. And then you have like, you know, script-based components, which are a totally different thing again. Uh, it's like, you know, when you think about it, it's probably not really a nice nice language to deal with from a syntactical point of view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean, way back in the day, I mean, it was a few years ago, I... I took my hand at trying to write a CFML parser using uh, Antler and uh, I got I got maybe about 80% of the way there but you, you just mm-hmm. we just found just odd just odd stuff when I was doing it that yeah it makes life really difficult but I don't think I even bothered trying to parse the, C- the HTML side of things it was just purely CFML but yeah. why did you do that in the first place Mark? I did that because um, well in my head I went ooh I think I can do this so I started writing a CF script parser it was mainly for the the CF Eclipse project um, I wanted oh, to do okay. it for that. Um, so I went, okay, I can do a CF script parser. I kind of did that. That was the easy bit because it's just basically, you know, it's, it looks like an ECMAScript language. It's pretty straightforward. Um, it's when you start getting yeah, into the template side of things where you have the hashtags and all that sort of stuff where it started getting a bit a bit more hairy. But, um, yeah, it kind of it ended up falling by the wayside. I think it didn't end up, didn't end up working as well as we wanted it to. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was good fun if nothing else. Okay. Um, Kirill, at, at JetBrains, when you try to build in support for a new language, language let's say for, for CFML, for example, how long do you guys spend on learning the language? Because I could, Ooh, you know, I could definitely see the need to at least understand you know, reasonably well what's going on there. Do you actually you know, take some time and try to build something with ColdFusion or with PHP or something like that to get a feel for it? Uh, well, uh, we're basically uh, Java developers and uh, spending the most of the time in Java. But of course, we had to dive in the language to figure out what is what is the what is the language about, what does what is the syntax, what does it mean, what are the possible uh, constructions in language, what is the workflow. Uh, but of course, uh, there is not enough say dog fooding, we don't use our products uh, so much for using it, using it uh, for different languages except Java. For instance, for, for PHP, uh, we had a huge problem uh, with, uh, with using our products uh, and with so many different workflows that mm-hmm. PHP users have for the many different setups of the projects and uh, for different frameworks they use. And this is actually a bad part. A good part is our EAP program. It is kind of uh, we release a milestone builds every week on, or every month, depends on the product. And uh, we release these builds for free and we ask users for feedback, for the bugs, for some something that uh, is not convenient, uh, to, for, for just to share the opinion mm-hmm. and we have great a lot of feedback from them and before the release we have enough time to polish our products uh, to, to polish the hard corners you know and to make it ready for, for the majority of users so we we don't have uh, an internal resources for product fooding but we trying to uh, bring up some external resources, basically we ask our users to, to use the pre-release version. And uh, as far as I know, this is also what you guys were doing uh, before ID11 was released, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yep. Well, you know, I, I think, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a good point. I mean, I understand that you're not really coding much PHP or CFML, for example. And yeah. It would be really hard yeah. to deal with all those you know, different workflows. But for example, the developer who is now responsible for developing the CFML plugin, um, is that person sort of actually, you know, using the language CFML in some other instance? Or did you provide, or do you provide time for the developers to 
I mean, how do they how do they get an idea how the language works just by reading documentation or by actually building something with it? Um, by reading documentation first, with by playing with the or with the with the product and trying to build up some projects, uh, and uh, we are going to uh, provide more time for that in future. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because right right now we have a lot of rather simple problems that are obvious uh, without going deep into C- uh, CFML development. Mm-hmm. You know? And with time, with time, of course, uh, we have to build up some internal projects in Cold Fusion. This is not the case for the moment, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because our internal uh, websites or internal applications are written, I guess, in, in PHP or in JSP mm-hmm. uh, and not, not in Cold Fusion. Otherwise, uh, we would have uh, <laughs> not so many bugs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now that's that's really good. So, so can you give us any any super secret stuff of what what do you think you'll be seeing sort of on the horizon for the the Cold Fusion plugin? Is there is there interesting stuff in the pipeline that we haven't heard about yet? Um. Not not so much interesting. So the basic plan is first to fix uh, the most stupid bugs with this uh, parsing and the formatting. Then provide more uh, code references, like when you have your uh, CF include and there is a file path. Uh, yep. So we're going to provide the completion and highlighting for this path. If the file actually exists on the disk or not, uh, we call it reference. So we're going to provide references for files and for Java objects. And Brilliant. done with that, uh, we'll start looking at the debugger stuff. Wow, okay. Oh, interesting. <laughs> right. when, you, when you say we're looking at the debugger stuff, um, I think that that's probably hard, a hard, a hard to understand reference for people who don't read the mailing list or who are not following the mailing <laughs> list. Um, so there was a discussion on the CFML IntelliJ plugin list where people were asking, like, or oh, couldn't you, you know, build in a, you know, step-by-step debugger with breakpoints and all that, you know, proper debug support into the plugin? And I can't even, what was it, Fusion Debug? Some people suggested yeah. on that yeah. list? Yeah, yeah. Yes, we wouldn't, right. wouldn't. So, so that is something you are going to look into. I mean, uh, you know, we don't, obviously don't want to get a promise or anything like that, but, like, that's something you find interesting enough to investigate further, apparently. Yes, yes, the plan is like this. Uh, previously, last year, uh, we, we've done a small investigation if, uh, how how much investment uh, would it take to implement the plugin, and we discovered that uh, the debugger uh, has kind of its own protocol. Uh, it's not a JVM debug protocol, mm-hmm. so we had to we had we had to implement some stuff uh, on the idea side. Uh, the API the API is ready. The debugging API is ready. All the actions, all the all the features are there. So we have to uh, to implement the handler for the debugging protocol. And uh, since uh, Fusion Debug looks like the most say popular technology, uh, we would basically orient on on, on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope uh, we can start. Uh, Moving in that direction, uh, probably in the middle of the year or something like this. Okay. Or the next year. Yeah. What What's the f- further release plans for IntelliJ um, eleven with regards to sub releases or to to you know, minor releases for bug fixes and stuff like that? I just got one today, actually. I got the update today. Have <laughs> you not opened yeah. your IntelliJ? I have. I had my IntelliJ open today. I haven't actually got anything. <laughs> Uh, you can try going to main menu to help check for updates. Yep. Sort of tempted to do that right now, actually, while we're <laughs> <laughs> You go with 11.01 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we have released version 11 uh, earlier this month, and uh, we're going to publish 11.01. This is the bug fix release um, before the end of the year. So basically this week or next week or something. And after that, uh, there will be version 11.1. Uh, it will include some for the bug fixes and uh, 
maybe some features that are uh, that we uh, couldn't include in uh, version 11, for instance. There is a kind of famous subversion 1.7 support, which is not part of IntelliJ 11. Uh, the problem is that uh, we use some Java library called SVN Kit mm-hmm. in IntelliJ, right. and this library, yeah. uh, due to many changes that version 1.7 has internally, this library is not ready. Is not a uh, product doesn't have product quality up to the moment, so we decided to exclude version uh, 1.7 support from IntelliJ and make it available as an experimental plugin that you can download from the plugin repository. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and and uh, we expect this uh, this part to be ready uh, uh, by the end of the winter, say February February or something. And uh, we'll be releasing 11.1 with subversion support in in March, something like this. And uh, we also will include some latest fixes for local Fusion plugin as well, for sure. Okay, cool. Um, just you know, to keep everyone on the loop, I just downloaded the patch. I, I opened IntelliJ and it offered <laughs> me the patch, and now it's basically okay. patching it. So that that worked. <laughs> cool. <laughs> okay. And uh, meanwhile. Um, uh, we'll be um, we'll make uh, Cold Fusion plugin available for a separate download um, because we want you to get the latest changes to the bugs you reported uh, just to check just to make sure that these bugs are fixed uh, to include these fixes into the main branch. So it oh, is cool. it is available by default uh, with IntelliJ 11.1. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, sweet. Um, so IntelliJ basically comes with two separate licensing models, right? There is um, th- what you call the Ultimate Edition, which is pretty much the, the commercial edition. And you also have a community product bundle or community release of the IDE. Um, yep. Can you just maybe explain briefly, A, why you're doing that? Because I find that quite interesting, that, you know, that split model. And B, what drives your decisions to you know make a certain plugin available as community versus ultimate edition mm-hmm. uh, so the idea was uh, to release uh, a free version of IntelliJ known as community edition mm-hmm. uh, to support uh, basic and core Java developer G2SE mm-hmm. uh, without uh, any uh, G2EE stuff so uh, writing in desk, Java desktop applications and uh, including Android development, for instance, okay. and with with stuff like version control systems, uh, at least the most uh, the most spread. And Ultimate is something something that uh, is for for the money, mm-hmm. and uh, it supports all the other stuff like J2EE and Flex and Cold Fusion stuff like this. So the idea was uh, to uh, allow people use IntelliJ as the free IDE for uh, Java development and for Android and for uh, some basic HTML and uh, CSS stuff like this. Okay. Uh, the decision on the plugin, whether it should be included in free edition or in ultimate edition, Actually, depends on the on the market and on the plugin nature itself. For instance, Google Android, Google as being, of course, always open source, and it was it, it would be quite weird to make it available uh, in in ultimate edition and ask user ask people to pay money for it mm-hmm. because uh, Eclipse support for for Android is free, of course. Yeah, yeah. So so it. Trying to take kind of free and open source technologies and include the support in a free version of IntelliJ, and uh, we we provide support for commercial or kind of more commercial technologies in a commercial edition, in an ultimate edition. And that's the point. But but the the ultimate decision on, on every plugin on every technology is uh, is done kind of personally looking at technology and discussing with the team and with marketing uh, what would be the best way to do it. Okay, cool. 
that makes sense, I guess. And I mean, you're you're totally right. There are technologies like, for example, Cold Fusion, which is traditionally, I would say, the or the CFML market is traditionally a commercial market in the majority of cases. Um, yes. So that's you know just where it fits quite nicely into that model, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of corp- corporate applications, right? Not so many individual developers uh, work yeah, I with think, Cold Fusion. I don't know. I think you actually might be wrong with that. Um, and Mark has probably an opinion on that as well. I think, Maybe. yes, Cold, hmm. Cold Fusion, particularly Adobe's Cold Fusion implementation, like the, the Adobe server, has a quite large footprint in the enterprise market. Um, but there are quite a few individual developers who, you know, like like Mark and I, basically work for various clients and that could be enterprise clients that could be startups that could be all sorts of people um so i think you find some sort of both it's not just like huge corporates that would use mm-hmm. cold fusion probably when you look at rilo for example i could definitely think that given the nature of the rilo licensing basically being an open source platform um that you find most likely a few more people you know, with smaller sites and smaller companies in that segment of the market. But on the other hand, I know that there are enterprises out there that use Rilo instead of Adobe Cold Fusion. So, you know, again, it's it's not really easy to say it's just this or just that, basically. It's some sort of a, an interesting mm-hmm. mix from my point of view. Okay. Mark, what do you think? Uh, I'd, I'd probably tend to agree, but um, yeah, well, there's definitely a mixture there. I mean, you've definitely got Groups of people who run one or two Cold Fusion servers, and then groups of people who run ten or thirty. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I can see I can see your point of view, Carol, in terms of where what makes, becomes community and what becomes otherwise. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff out there that you know, as you, as you say, you guys only support uh, JE in your commercial edition, which makes sense. And, and technically, you know, you could say Java to a degree is free, but, you know, people are building enterprise applications with it. So, But at the end of the day, I mean, I guess it's probably more of a, a marketing and sales decision than anything else I would have thought. Yeah. Just wondering, uh, you're professional Cold Fusion developers and you're probably familiar with PHP, right? Uh, how would you uh, compare the learning curve for PHP websites with Cold Fusion websites? Like for someone who knows one language to get into the other or for starting from scratch in web development? For starting from scratch. Ooh. Interesting. I th- I personally think it's easier for people to learn CFML and Cold Fusion. Um, mainly because... Oh, well, if... Let's, say, let's start that again. Sorry. It's easier for people from my point of view to learn... CFML if they have an HTML background already. If they come mm-hmm. from a web design CSS background, it's usually quite easy for people to get into Cold Fusion because it's tech-based. And it's, you know, the first approach they do, and I'm not happy with that approach, but that's what commonly happens, they script their HTML page, right? They put Cold Fusion tags into an HTML page yep. to make it more interactive. With PHP, you can do the same thing, but the syntax is a bit more cryptic and you have to get a concept of programming with like curly braces and if and else statements in, in code versus your HTML. And I think that makes it potentially a bit more tricky for those people coming with a pure HTML background to, um, to, call few, uh, to, to web development. But again, it really depends on what people know from my point of view. If you have a Java developer who wants to get into web development with either Cold Fusion or PHP, probably it wouldn't make much of a difference for that person, to be honest, from my point of view. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay, thank you. So when we, um, when we talk about IntelliJ and the plugin concept... Um, what I found when I installed IntelliJ, it basically, you know, took me through like a setup process and asked me a bunch of questions of stuff that I want to use and that I don't want to use. Do you actually find that a better working model for you 
than, for example, Eclipse, where you basically, as default, get a bare-bone IDE, and then you have to you know, hunt for and install the plugins you actually want afterwards. With IntelliJ, you I mean you get everything, it's just disabled, right? And I have to say I find that actually quite nice because it gives me the option of really, really easily enabling something that I, you know, don't, I didn't need like two weeks ago, but I might need that now. And I don't have to go online and hunt for the latest version of a plugin. I just get it sort of, you know, put in front of me, really. Yeah, and the thing we like very much, and the, our users like very much, uh, as, is that IntelliJ comes already as a bundle uh, with support for many stuff, which can be switched off uh, and then we switched on next day. Um, and uh, as opposed to Eclipse, where you you said you you have to hunt for the plugin and you have to choose, for instance, between the sub clips and sub subversion different subversion plugin for Eclipse, uh, and uh, as far as I know, uh, some, some companies create a bundle of Eclipse, like MyClips or something, mm -hmm. when, they, when they bring up Eclipse with some plugins pre-installed uh, to make life easier. And so this is not the case uh, for IntelliJ. We do it for our users. And uh, on the other point, uh, the size of the download gets uh, more and more, and right now it's more than... 200 max as far as I know uh, so that's why we have to uh, exclude some plugins uh, by default for instance in CentraJ 11 doesn't have PHP plugin by default it mm -hmm. is not included in the bundle to install it, uh, it it's quite easy just go to menu to plugin manager and choose PHP and click to download and install restart the ID and that's it it's not so hard but we had to do uh, to do this just because to reduce the the size of the download uh, for for those who don't use say PHP or some other more exotic technologies, because uh, we expect one who works in PHP uh, to use PHP Storm, a different product also in Synergy based, uh, okay. a different okay. one, a smaller one, and the amount of people uh, who work with PHP and Java in the same project. Is uh, is It'd be quite small, I would have thought. Yes, yes, yes. So, so for those for those few people, they have to go to the menu and install the plugin. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't even realize that because I, you know, all the plugins I wanted to have enabled when I installed it were actually already there. <laughs> um, you were just speaking about the download side. I think I might be wrong, but I think my download on Mac was like hundred eighty. Um, Mac or something like that. Mm -hmm. That is still smaller than an average Eclipse install. So I'm, I personally wouldn't really even be worried about the download size at that at that stage, unless the PHP plugin is like another 50 Mac or something, which would surprise me. To no, be I would say it's about 10 Macs or something. Uh, we may uh, uh, rethink this, and we may maybe we will include some kind of option to download a stripped version or download a whole version, something mm, like okay. this. Yeah. But we're we just, uh, as usual, we're just looking for the feedback of people. If thousand people come and say, hey guys, we need PHP plugin by default, uh, why did you do that? Why did you exclude that? We will include it back. So yeah, it's not set, set in stone, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I gotta, I mean, I have to say, the um, just to install a plugin, it's not it's not even by any means difficult. I mean, you just you tick a box and you go install IntelliJ restarts, boom, you're done. It's not. It's so simple to do, and then to come back in and go, oh, now I don't need Groovy support or whatever it is that I'm doing. Just turn it back off again, restarts, boom, you're done. If you can be even bothered, it's great. It's actually really, really nice. Um, one of the things I, I like about IntelliJ is if coming from Eclipse. Is so often coming from Eclipse, you've got three or four different options. Whereas you come to IntelliJ and it's like, no, here's your ColdFusion plugin, here's your, you know, here's your, your Git plugin, here's your, you know, this is just the way it's done. Here you go, done with it, and it, it just, you know, and it works out the box, and you don't have to kind of try three or four things, which is really quite nice. Can I just ask you a question, Mark? And that's, you know, sort of just personal interest. I yep. know that you had some personal issue with the Git plugin for Eclipse. As I had as well. I, it's, it's ridiculous. I it. Absolutely useless. Um, <laughs> 
how do you find the transition to using Git in IntelliJ? Is that better? Yeah, it's heaps better. It's amazingly okay. better. It's like it's like night and day. So, I mean, I still use Git um, from the command line mostly, uh, but um, but what would happen is using Eclipse is I'd have I'd have a Git set up basically so I could do compares really easily and it would show me what branch I'm on and all that sort of stuff, which was really useful. But I'd go and do you know maybe a change three or four commands to go to this branch, pull it down, come back to my branch, merge it back in. Nothing too fancy, but I'd kind of do three or four operations or even just one operation. It wouldn't really matter. And then you'd sit there as Eclipse would go refreshing, 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 <laughs> and you'd be there for like two minutes. I mean, I'd I've written a presentation where. Um, the way I change code is I switch I switch branches, branches? Okay. which works really really nicely. Except I had to make sure before I moved on to my next slide, I'd have to hit refresh on that on my source and then go over to the slide so that while I was presenting and talking, Eclipse would be able to um, catch up with what you're in the doing. background. It's insane. Whereas in IntelliJ, I just do whatever the hell I want and it just comes up straight away. It's just it's instantaneous. Like the file refreshes straight away. I don't get a pop up saying, "Would you like to refresh it?" It just does it. You know, the, the branch changes, my folders change. Everything is just it's just straight away. IntelliJ is just super fast. I really love that side of it. Yeah, I found that as well. Yeah. Actually, I use Mercurial a lot, as regular listeners of this podcast know. <laughs> and um, it, it's IntelliJ works much much faster on my in, on my Mercurial repositories than um, the Eclipse plugin for Mercurial did. Yeah. Uh, actually, the reason is uh, the reason for Git is that uh, we switched uh, to Git from Subversion, and right now we keep all the source code for IntelliJ in Git, as you may know, and part of it is available uh, on the GitHub and on the Jet, JetBrains uh, Git website. Oh, really? Uh, all the community edition is available for download. Yes, it is open source. Wow. All the platform is open source, and uh, we had to make good uh, Git support. Otherwise, all the team was complaining all the day that it's slow. <laughs> That's why we implemented it, and all the team, like up to 50 people, uh, works with Git, and uh, very rarely uh, they need switch to, to switch to command line. All the actions, all the basic actions, like switching branches yeah. or see pulling, pushing, merging, is done uh, in the IDE. And only to create a new branch, I go to a command line. Maybe there is a command I just didn't check. I think there is, but I, yeah, I'm so used to using um, using the command line that I haven't I have never done it. But um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, the Git support's really nice. I really like um, some of the little things like down in the bottom right hand corner, just list which branches you're on. Branches you're on, you just click it. Yeah. It shows you you can just switch. Um, no, the Git support's great. The other thing I could probably talk about, if we want to talk about great IntelliJ things I love, I love the SQL editor. Oh. My, the, SQL edit, yeah, the SQL editor is actually nice. Um, I still don't believe you, though, that you had SQL code completion with table suggestion working in CF query tags. I, you know, you can't prove that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I did. Right. Uh, for those, literally... This has been like the query editor that I've been looking for for I don't know how long because I haven't been able to find it. I never understood why no one else built it. But you actually get proper code completion on table name and column names, which I've never seen anywhere else. Maybe I've been working on the wrong tools, but it's brilliant. I love it. It's, it just makes, my, makes me so happy. To, to be fair, you know, if you, if you code against SQL Server, for example, and you use really some SQL Server Management Studio, you get you know, quite, quite good code completion in that stuff as well. So it might be your choice of database and the available okay. tools for the database, basically, as well, that contribute to that. Sorry, Kirill, you were going to say something. I think I interrupted you. Um, I, I just wanted to uh, say thanks for, for such a feedback. <laughs> and I would like to mention that uh, Git support is very good, but unfortunately, Mercurial is not the case. It's not so as good as, as Git support is. Uh, because we don't use it internally, and once we switch to Mercurial, uh, we'll polish it as well. I guess. Uh, I I think it's still you know really good enough for me to work with. It's much more pleasant to work with than with the you know comparable Eclipse plugin, to be honest. Um, and mm -hmm. I have I have an additional complication because my or the code base I work most of the time lives on a Windows virtual machine, and I basically map 
a drive via Samba from that VM onto my Mac, mm-hmm. then I code in Mac. And that usually, particularly in Eclipse, <coughs> that really, really slows stuff down massively. And IntelliJ so far copes really well with that, actually. <laughs> okay. And for this uh, uh, completion bug in in a, in a, in a CFML files in a CF query, uh, we'll fix that, of course. Awesome. Uh, since we since we have the case uh, to to reproduce the bug, uh, this is all we we need to fix it, actually. Cool. So thank you. So thank you guys for using it and for reporting all the stuff you uh, you found, and this makes us happy and this allows us to fix the stuff. Yeah, when I actually oh. when I actually bought my license um, on the order form, there was a comment field and I put something in like, "Oh, I'm just buying IntelliJ because I like the CFML plugin so much." You know, like <laughs> just, just just a side note for you for the marketing team. <laughs> Yeah, I think I did the same thing. I think I wrote something along those lines. Just using the ColdFusion plugin. But I think I went through it and I was like, ooh, I'll take I'll take Groovy support and Spring support and probably a whole bunch of stuff that I may I may end up using or may not end up using. But I was like, oh, and that, and that looks like fun. And I think I'll use that too. When, when you set <laughs> it up, you mean? Yeah, when I first yeah. set it up. And I'm like, oh, that plugin. And every so often I kind of go through all the plugins. And I'm like, ooh, there's a regex testing plugin. I'll grab that. That'll be useful. And, and this, that, and the other. And it's, it's lots of fun. Um, I... I was actually going to say for, for, for those people who don't know IntelliJ or haven't mucked around with it yet, um, I was going to ask you, Kai, and, and I might do the same thing and we can ask Carol as well, like what are your maybe like one or two favorite features of, of IntelliJ or CF, the CFML plugin with IntelliJ? What do you, what do you really like about it that uh, is, is really kind of made your day? Me? Yeah. I think personally, um, the performance, which is not really a feature, but more a general observation, it's really super fast. And in terms of features, I think live templates just kick ass. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably agree with that. So, so I mean, live templates are awesome. Um, the fact that I worked out the other day that if you can't find a very like you could, so for those who don't know what live templates are, it's it's like if you ever use snippets, it's like snippets on steroids, because not only can you set up um, templates to use, you can specify variables in them, and then there's also functions you can apply to variables. So you can grab you know the data from another variable and, and populate that over here, but maybe put in a different case or a different you know reverse it or, or uppercase it or camel case it or do all sorts of fun stuff that way. You can turn around and say, hey, in this particular spot. You know, do real regular code completion, so you get the regular code completion drop down. Um, and I worked out the other day, which I had no idea you could do, is you can actually um, inject Groovy script straight into your into your stuff if you're looking to um, generate, you know, values or or take values from another variable or do all sorts of fun stuff. So you've complete, oh, okay. yeah, you you can you could do anything. I mean, it's pretty awesome. That's actually I was really excited when I saw that. Great. Uh, for me. Uh I'm not so deep in Golf Fusion, so I, I will say for Java stuff, but not also for, not only for Java. Uh, the most uh, useful feature for me uh, would be the syntax selection, uh, when you can press the hotkey and you can select uh, the enclosing blocks of code, say if statement, then function, then class, something like this. How do you do and, that? Uh, you you just put your carrot somewhere in the code and you yeah. press on Windows, on Windows it's Control W. So you will get uh, the code, the enclosing code of the block selected, and then the next code, the next block of code, and so on. Uh, because always when you have to say move something around, uh, you operate in some syntax blocks like parameter or parameter with the type or parameter line or all the methods or the if statement and this makes uh, this this allows you never touch mouse to drag from the beginning to the end of your selection that you want you just press several hotkeys and that's it and the second one for me would be I would say great code navigation and uh, usage search uh, in our IntelliJ code base we have like 50,000 of classes and we have to jump here and there very quickly and search for usages across all this huge project and it works fast and it works reliable and it allows you to look at the definition of the method or of all the class in the pop-ups, stuff like this 
and do less jumping between different files to, to look at the stuff. And this makes me very productive all the day. Okay. I have to find that, that select one. I think I've changed my key mappings too much. If I hit Control W, it closes my window. But, uh, <laughs> I can help you afterwards. I can <laughs> I'm sure it's around somewhere. On this. I'll just keep messing around with it till I find it. Um, I have another question when it comes to plugins. How and how get people into or how get would people get started if they want to write their own plugin? And I mean okay. not not necessarily like, you know, a language plugin to support whatever like, you know, I don't know, Erlang or something like that. But more when you look at, you know, building an extension for an existing plugin. Let's say someone wanted someone would want to build I don't know, support for MX unit into the CFML plugin. Or, you know, someone would want to, you know, build a plugin for their CFML framework that helps people to navigate within framework code or stuff like that. What's some sort of the usual approach in IntelliJ to do that? Uh, the general approach uh, is to look at our website. There is an entry point for those who is about to write the plugin. Uh, several pages of the documentation. Uh, then uh, one has to check out the source code to look at it online or to download it to the computer from Git repository. The source code of the community edition, it contains all the platform and all the API for supporting languages and for supporting version controls and for actions and for navigation, stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the source code of particularly called Fusion plugin is closed because it is part of commercial edition, the ultimate edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one have to, has to work with class files, but uh, since the code uh, is basically implementing the known API, the open API, mm-hmm. uh, it is not not so rocket, rocket science to, to work with it. Uh, for instance, John Linquist, you maybe know him, this is the guy in the United States who is a huge fan of IntelliJ, uh, basically for, for Flex development, mm-hmm. mostly for Flex development. And uh, he recently implemented a plugin for RobotLex framework. Uh, uh, there he is extending our Flex uh, support classes, mm-hmm. the Flex infrastructure, and uh, basing on it, uh, he built up. Uh, a support for, for RobotLex. Uh, it is also closed source, but uh, it haven't prevented him from implementing the stuff. So one has to be <laughs> smart enough and patient enough. Uh, and that's, that's the trick, I guess. <laughs> okay. And of course, yeah. there is there is a, uh, a plugin developer support forum and emails and Twitter, and one can ask the questions anywhere and our developers uh, will come with, with answers to the questions okay cool interesting um, speaking of flex you we talked you know earlier briefly or we mentioned briefly astella which is sort of the code name for a flex product you guys had in planning um, what's the the status of, of Astella at the moment and what's what are IntelliJ's thoughts on I know the future of Flex if they, or maybe that's a bit of a broad question but I think you get the idea yeah uh, we hope uh, the technology will survive because there is a huge uh, audience a lot of Flash players installed and large user base and large companies using Flex and we are carefully looking at what happens, uh, communicating to Adobe and to the community members. And uh, right now, uh, we do not have a particular deadline or particular release date for Stella, because we are not sure that Stella will have uh, enough user base. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, all the features that were implemented for Stella, uh, including uh, Visual Designer, this is something that uh, Adobe okay. has st- stopped developing, um, and uh, profiling plugin for Flex. All the features will be part of IntelliJ IDEA 12, or 
even 11.1. So we're not we're not about to throw out any feature that we implemented. Uh, everything we've done will be available for our users. But the question is, uh, would it be a part of a Stella, a separate smaller Flex ID, or a major brother, larger brother, an SLJ ID? Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. And that, yeah. I think that makes sense, you know, like, um, I think, um, I don't think the future of Flex is like, you know, super negative, neither do I think it's super positive it's sort of at the moment I feel it hanging there and it will depend much on the community involvement and also in the involvement I think of Adobe and their effort to gain trust back with you know with their developer community um, and at the end of the day there is not really a replacement that's what i feel and that's what i'm wondering about you know like html5 and javascript and css and all that stuff that is nice and that works much much better than it used to work like a year ago but it's if you compare it to flex as an application development technology it's just not there yet and i agree so that will be an interesting decision for a lot of people i think next year to mm. have a think about, well, what do we do? Do we continue to use Flex? Because that's the best technology around there for a certain type of projects. Or do we you know, hope that HTML5 JavaScript becomes significantly better and more mature in the next six months and then build it on that technology stack? So I'm not quite sure how that game is working out in the end. We'll have to see that, actually. Well, it, it kind of it does look like you know sort of Adobe's doing the right thing in terms of keeping the momentum going. I mean, just today I saw the real, the uh, the announcement that they've put in the the Apache incubation uh, proposal. That's on the wiki. I saw that today, and there's a good long list of of contributors that currently exist on that. And uh, as long as they can keep up that momentum, I think, and and keep that sort of energy going, you know, there there could very well be a good community that forms around Flex oh, in the totally. Apache sort of projects, which would be nice to see. And I think I think. From a community point of view, Apache Flex could very, very well be successful. The, the main problem is, from my personal point of view, and this you know going a bit away from the IDE question, obviously, but my, the, the main problem from my personal point of view is that the Flash Player and Air, as essentially the major runtimes of Flex apps, yep. are under full control of Adobe. And, um, you know, they have sort of proven that they, if they want and need to, for whatever reason, can easily stop development on those with stopping Flash yep. Player Mobile. You know, yep. and I totally agree with the decision. Flash to stop Flash Player Mobile was definitely the right thing. But I think it made people aware of the fact that, oh, you know, if they want to stop that, they, they can. can do it yeah. right now or next week or in six months or in nine months, even though... They basically now are committed to continuing it, but you never know what you know shareholders and revenue streams and budgeting, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, yeah. requires them to do. And that is, from my point of view, the biggest problem for an open source Apache Flex project in the future. Yep. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. And from the tooling point of view, JetBrains provides works hard to provide the best supports for either technology for Flex and for HTML5. Uh, we have a separate IDE called WebStorm. This is a JavaScript IDE with support for HTML5 and for CSS and for JavaScript. And uh, either technology or one works with, uh, he can keep with uh, the IDE, the same, basically the same IDE, the same platform, the same actions and the same workflows. So. We hope that everyone will be satisfied. Actually, it's with, with, interesting. At least with, sorry, at least with the tooling parts, yeah. <laughs> so, out of curiosity, and it's something I wasn't quite quite clear on because I'm not, I'm not quite sure how this works. Now, you said very similarly with PHP, but you said there's, there's WebStorm and then there's sort of an idea, which is, I guess, the Java one. If I've got a license like I do right now for what is essentially idea for, for 11, if I want to have the same functionality as what I'd have in WebStorm, do I need to go and get WebStorm, or can I just go and install all the plugins for that from the repositories and get all that that same functionality to exist? Is that is that possible? How does that work? 
Um, no, uh, actually, it worked uh, the way that if you have IntelliJ, you have all the functionality that is included in IntelliJ. If you have ah. WebStorm, you have kind of stripped version of IntelliJ oh, okay. with the platform, with the version control, and with the HTML5, CSS, JavaScript stuff. You yep. cannot install Java there because right. otherwise it would not, not make sense uh, for us to uh, yep. charge people for IntelliJ, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of IntelliJ is sort of it's everything, it's the kitchen sink, and you can pick and choose what you like, but you've got smaller, specific bundled options that customers yeah. can then say, yeah. I want you know, just that, and that'll, that'll let me get stuff done. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cool. Now that's great. So I think what we should do, actually, in our blog post that goes with the, um, with the podcast put in a few links to um, you know the CFML bug tracker of of the IntelliJ plugin um, to I think Marcus Marcus actually put a few links together put a few links already like the the features of the plugin and also a link to the mailing list where um, a bunch of people are talking about the CFML plugin and where Kirill is also active on yeah yeah and and the story is that uh, oh we look forward for people using CFML plugin, and uh, the more people use it, uh, the more resources we put in, and the faster we uh, fix the bugs. And personally, I'm very impressed. I have already mentioned this uh, in, uh, in the lists. Uh, I'm very impressed by the passion of uh, Cold Fusion users. You are probably the most patient, patient one uh, among many, many people I've talked with. Uh, for, for different parts of the product. And uh, the more people are in there, the more resources we put in, the faster the plugin goes, and the more happy they are. So basically, this is, this is the point, and it is also in your hands to influence on the developing curve, to ask for features, to vote for bugs. Uh, JetBrains is kind of not so huge company, and it has very short round trip, uh, between the users and developers, basically all, all all your feedback goes directly to the developers, and they can react instantly. And it's uh, really easy to influence on the direction that the product moves on. Yeah, that was my feeling as well. You know, when it came to communicating with you guys about bugs, I and others found that you actually have a really really fast turnaround time, and. Um, you know, try to get things resolved or at least try to understand the issue as quick as possible, as quickly as possible. That's good. I'm yeah. happy about that. Yeah, thank you. We are not 100% satisfied with it, but we are working on this. Oh, that's fair enough. You know, like we all write software and it's really hard to make it bug free, I think, at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. Cool. So um, we're actually talking already for a little bit more than an hour so I think we should wrap it up soon um, before we say goodbye and stop the recording um, how can people get in touch with you Kirill if people want to get some information about the CFML plugin or IntelliJ in general what's the best way of getting hold of you uh, let us put the links to our lists and to the bug tracker and to my email uh, at the blog post page cool. and they, their people just write me an email or contact me. I will also publish my Twitter handle so they can write short messages. Oh, okay. oh, good. I'll follow you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> cool, sounds good. So, Mark, how can people get hold of you if they really want to? I mean, who wants to get hold of you anyway? I don't know. I can't think of anyone who might, but uh, compoundtheory.com is my blog and uh, Twitter handle is Neurotic. You can reach me on there. Uh, I think you can also follow me on Google Plus. Just search for Mark Mandel. Oh, I should show up. Google Plus. Oh my god. Okay. So, and if you want to get hold of me for whatever weird reason, my Twitter handle is Agent K. That's the best way to get hold of me these days. And my blog is blockinblack.de. And unbelievably enough, I've blocked the other day. Like you, you know, did. I saw it. Yeah, it's it amazing. Was real. Isn't it? Yeah, it was real, you know, like Andy Allen pinged me a Twitter message saying like, 
who are you? Are you Kai? You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? What have you done to Kai? There's a blog post and you won. Oh my God. So I blocked and I'm, you know, I'm, I promise to block more often in the future. I've got some sort of a mechanism in place that, you know, forces me to block more often in the future. A mechanism? What did you tell your wife to bug you every week if you hadn't written something? No, the mechanism is called calendar notifications. Something very, very simple, but it pops up on my desktop and makes a really annoying noise. And then it, you know, I'm so annoyed that I actually rather block something than <laughs> suffer, you know, that noise for any time longer. <laughs> nice. That works. Good week. Yeah. So that seems to work. It seems to work for my other blog. Now I'm basically, you know using the same mechanism for block and black. Great. Cool. So I guess that's it for tonight then. Thanks a lot, Kirill, again for you know coming to our little podcast and um thank you guys for giving an invitation. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. It was very, very interesting and I think um you know it will be a very, very interesting session to listen to for Cold Fusion developers and people who work with CFML and maybe didn't even know that IntelliJ had some sort of support for, for our language. Yeah. Cool. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That might have been the last recording before Christmas. So, um, Merry Christmas to Happy everyone. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. And Happy New Year. Happy, yeah, that's fair enough if you say that. I think Mark and I will do a at least an end-of-year show in the... Um, the week after Christmas, I think. That's sort of now, the plan. Kirill, I believe I'll be right. You have a, a New Year's tree. Is that correct? Yeah. Around this time of year? <laughs> yes. I've got, I've got quite a few Russian friends. So <laughs> I've, I've been around for, 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 for uh, yeah, celebrating that. Okay. Well, how does a New, year, new Year's tree um, look like? I mean, is it like similar to a Christmas tree? You decorate it yes. and it has lights and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Quite the same way, actually. And then it's uh, Grandfather Frost, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah Grandfather Frost. Frost. I'm doing well today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's really, really amazing, you know, how many different traditions around that, you know, end of year period are, depending on where you live or what your religion is and all those of, sorts of things. Yeah. Alrighty, so you guys hear from us before the end of the year, most likely. And um, again, thanks a lot, everyone, for tuning in and for um, Kirill for coming in. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Cool. Bye. See ya. Goodbye.